stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today, uh, Today's edition is... Uh, called Cinderella and the Carpetbagger, which is actually the title of a new memoir by Grace, Grace Robbins. Not, it's a new memoir out in the publishing field, but it is her only memoir, and a very revealing one at that. It's The whole title is Cinderella and the Carpetbagger, My Life as the Wife of the World's Best-Selling Author, Harold Robbins. Now, I don't know how many of you have read a Harold Robbins book. He has sold... He is one of the best, biggest best-selling authors that the world has seen, and um, he his books um, were quite scandalous at the time, and actually um, raised the bar for a lot of um, a lot of things that that followed, a lot of uh, novels that followed. I certainly uh, read at least one um, Harold Robbins book, and. Um, it was quite exciting. Well, today's guest has an exciting story of her own, literally. Her steamy romance novel um, is the true story of her life. And um, I want to welcome to the show Grace Robbins. Grace, welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch. Hello, Dr. Carol. <laughs> Hi there. I, almost, I thought we almost lost you. You went to walk the dog. <laughs> That's right. He had an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true to form. You're uh, continuing with this uh, exciting, uh, unpredictable lifestyle. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I want yeah. to tell you that I, I read the whole book. It was a page-turner. I couldn't put it down. Thank you. Thank you. And my most, um, my, my biggest thought, my most overwhelming thought as I was reading it, and certainly by the end, was how yeah. this was just like a Harold Robbins book. Really? I, I mean, it could have been, um, other than the fact that, you know, it's first person and it is true, truly your life, Right. Uh, it could have been one of his books. All right. I like to hear that. Well, I d- have you gotten that a lot? I've been told that. I have. I have act- actually. Um, someone said he needed a fire extinguisher with each page that he turned. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, of course, what makes uh, this book even more uh, of a page turner is the fact that that it is all tr- it is all true, right? <laughs> oh, but it is all of it. Absolutely, I know it sounds like it it might have been, but it was uh, all true. Well, you know, um, I mean, of course, all the glamorous part is amazing, and and you know that's so much like his his fiction. But um, but obviously, the thread throughout the book, your story, um, how. You well, first of all, how you met him, and um, just the glamour and then the pain. Um, I mean, of course, it's all true because because you couldn't have made up um, all those feelings. <laughs> That's right. Yes, uh, I like what you said. You know, the glamour and then the pain, which is exactly what happened. The glamour is incredible. I don't think anyone. Any other woman has lived a life as I have because of Harold Robbins. He was so much like his books. 
And uh, this was something that I wished for. I read the Copperbackers one weekend, and the next morning I went to my office. I was a casting director for an advertising agency in New York. I was one of those mad women. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get a call from a talent agent saying that Harold Robbins wants to take me to lunch. Yes, that's that's sort of that's how the book starts and that's that's just amazing. Now, did you ever figure out how did Harold Robbins where did he where had he met you? Well, he obviously hadn't met you, but where had he seen you? Where did he where did this come from? Cal, he'd never tell me. And I you know what? It didn't matter. I was so thrilled. I it, how could something like this happen to little me? And and then I was it absolutely swept into his life, which was just like being swept into one of his books. Yes. Well, now, just to set the um, stage a little bit before you go on, um, you read his book in when you were on a boat that somebody um, offered you yes. to stay in because yes. you were having a very... Um, difficult time in your marriage. Right. I was married to an artist, and he didn't want to work. Uh, he he loved his bourbon and he would uh, or his brandy, whatever it was, and he would even have it with his cornflakes and milk in the morning. And I knew I was in trouble. Never knew he was an alcoholic until after I married him. Yes, and so it was. It was probably at your lowest point. Right, yes, that you exactly. that you found yourself in this boat, crawled up with, and just coincident. Well, if we if we can believe these things are coincidences, but you picked that book off the shelf, you read it, you loved it, you said to yourself, "I want to meet this man." I said it out loud. Day. I didn't even say it to myself, Carol. I said, "Oh, I, I I just gave a wish out to the universe, and I said, the one man I want to meet, I want to meet this man, and I've got to know him, and I want." to know if he does live life like this book. And I want to be there. I want it. And and I got it the next morning. And that was before the movie The Secret, before you knew to ask, believe, receive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you uh, innately knew it, but before, before it was an in thing. Um, so, so then tell us about how that, that was an interesting time uh, Tell us about that beginning, that beginning year. Yes, he wooed me. He wanted me, and I, but he was very, very polite about it. I have to tell you, he was a gentleman. Uh, he was also married, married for a long time, and not happily. And uh, he, he had to go back to Connecticut each night, and so we would just meet. Uh, for lunch, or we would have a cocktail, and then I would go with him to Grand Central and wave goodbye to him, and then I would go to my little apartment on 72nd Street in Central Park West. And that was it. And then he started uh, surprising me with marvelous things. Uh, he asked if uh, I would like to have breakfast at Tiffany's once, and I said, well, they don't serve breakfast, really. He said, well, let's see. And uh, sure enough, he got me an engagement ring. Well, now, yes, and, and that was after how long? After a year. That was after the year. Yes. Um, and uh, during that year... Uh, I mean, it was sort of the longest foreplay. <laughs> no sex. You didn't have oh, sex during that right. whole year. But it was the longest um, sensual foreplay that uh, there ever was in a relationship, or maybe not ever was, but, but uh, certainly unusual. It was. Uh, um, who would expect that from Harold Robbins, who writes all those steamy books? Uh, he kept it on such a beautiful level, romantic level. And then one day he asked if I could go to Hollywood with him because uh, his, the producer, Joseph E. Levine, was making The Adventurers, uh, a fantastic movie with uh, Candace Bergen and, and some others. And he said, but of course you can't come, can you, because you've got your job. Well, I went right to the personnel department and said, I'm afraid I have to quit. <laughs> and I went back to my office, 
And sure enough, there was a bouquet of the most glorious flowers from Harold with a note, Avanti Tiger. He knew I was going to do it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, because by then you knew each other so well. Now, during that year, with your fancy lunches and all of that and, and right. cocktails, um, was there ever any talk? It, it, does, it didn't seem like it the way you wrote it. It, it, it seemed to be all beneath the surface, like you both sort of knew you were attracted to each other, but was there ever any talk, like, <laughs> where is this going? Or No, I never asked, and he never asked, and we just... We just went with the with the feeling of becoming good friends, and I think that's very important. Uh, we were friends first. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is often a step that is um, missed these days. Right. Um, so so continue on. So you went to Hollywood, and that's where with him, and that's where everything changed. Oh yes, because he took me to the Beverly Hills Hotel, and of course he had a bungalow, and those bungalows are so beautiful. And I knew that this was going to change us completely. Our relationship would become something more than what it was, and it and it did become that, and. He he said, "Well, you know, we don't. You don't have to go back to your office. Find a way, and we'll go from here to Hawaii. It's not that far from here." Well, we went to Hawaii, and that and then it really our our romance bloomed, and uh, we we couldn't possibly not be together. We had to be together. However, again, I was. I wasn't I wasn't going to jump to any conclusions when we went back to New York from Hawaii. I said, well, you know, darling, I think it's this was incredible, but I I guess I have to go back to my apartment. And he said, "Do you really have to?" He said, "Why don't you stay with me?" And I mean, stay with me. And that was it. We went yes. to the Plaza Hotel, and we never left each other's side. Uh-huh, yes. That was, you know, you, I could feel that moment through the pages where it was this awkward moment. So now what? We've just had this beautiful, romantic, almost honeymoon. Yes. and um And now we each have spouses, and now what? And then when he said that, you know, of course, you must have felt uh, just so wonderful and relieved that um, yeah. this meant as much to him as it had to you. Right. Well, exactly. we need to take a break now. Um, All right. My, uh, my guest is Grace Robbins. Her memoir is called Cinderella and the Carpetbagger. We need to take a break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Grace Robbins. Her book is called Cinderella and the Carpetbagger, My Life as the Wife of the World's Best-Selling Author, Harold Robbins. Um, this book is a true-life version of one of Harold Robbins' steamy romance novels. It's his, one of his novels, Come to Life. Um, but it is Grace's true story. And... Um, it's an amazing life, Grace. So let, let's, uh-huh, you were we, we, you were just starting. Uh, we were just starting to uh, hear about how they met and how their relationship began. Um, but before we continue with that, I'd like to you to talk a little bit about your own childhood and um, and to see because you talk through the book. You mentioned that as time went along. And you were with him for 30 years, right? Right, right. Um, that as time went along, that you were realizing more and more that he was like your father. So tell us about your childhood and your relationship with your father. Well, my father was very strict, and my m- mother was very sweet, but they had uh, Sicilian traditions that they grew up with, and they expected me to grow up with. And it was very hard. It was very difficult. Um, I felt that there were too many rules, and oh well, rules were meant to be broken. Uh, so uh, actually, my childhood was actually better than Harold's because he uh, he grew up in an orphanage, and uh, this is what he always said. Uh, it was a very difficult time for him. He, he was then adopted by his real father, and uh, he had a rough time of, with life. And I could tell that that had to be the truth, even though his sister, right after Harold died, claimed that he was just a little boy from the Bronx, uh, a little Jewish boy who liked to write stories, and that was it. I don't know. I still believe his story. Yes, his story, I, I wondered about that when the book ended, um, which one was true, because his story was, you know, was very kind of specific. Of course, he does did write those novels that were kind of, you know, very detailed and so on as well, but... But he talked about how his mother had died in childbirth, right? And how his father dropped him off at the hospital, right? Yes. Or the, and and then and then he wound up in the orphanage and got and yes, and this idea of getting adopted by his real father. And he talked about how even though he knew that it was his real father, he couldn't at that point feel those kinds of uh, feelings for a real father, right. yes. and. And and yes, and so why do you think? And then and then you met um, uh, you eventually met the woman who he said was his stepmother, um, right, yes, and and the daughter of the stepmother and his real father. Now, yes. why do you think um, they would have said that he made these stories up? Well, it's interesting because before I met his mother and his sister. Harold said to me, don't believe a thing they tell you. (laughs) Right. And then uh, when I met them, they said, well, don't you believe anything that he tells you? (laughs) And so I went, okay, I'll just, I'll just come along and, and uh, (laughs) I just want things to be good. That's all. It didn't matter whether he was uh, an orphan or he was, uh, he had parents and, uh, if this is the story that he told and that he believed in, I believed in it, too. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, and maybe we can talk about this a little more later after you tell us more about your life together. But, right. you know, you do, you say that, I mean, it seems like he always wanted um, a woman there 
to be nurturing towards him, which right. would kind of go along with either if his mother died in, died in childbirth and this was his stepmother, or right. if it was his real mother, the woman who he called his stepmother, but he felt so distant from her that he called her his stepmother. Yes, yes, I think you analyzed that very well. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, all right, and so, and in your own family, your father, you talk about how your father tried different businesses, but they weren't successful? Well, yes, uh, he, he loved to gamble, and um, especially the horses. And so he would start a business, and then he would lose the money on the horses, and then he would have to start all over again. And that was a bit trying for my mother. And although uh, I just seemed to coast along, which is what I'm very good at doing, obviously. Uh-huh. I just coasted along and met, oh, I got my job as a as a receptionist in an advertising agency on Park Avenue. I was on Madison Avenue first. And then uh, I uh, worked my way to become the casting director, and that's when I met Tom Horky, a wonderful artist, but I didn't know about his drinking problem, which became my problem. And then I met Harold, and that I, uh, I must say I've, I consider myself quite a lucky gal. Yes. Okay. So now, so there you were back from um, L.A. and Hawaii and right. um, in New York, and he says that he doesn't want the two of you to be apart, even though you still had you each still had the inconvenience of spouses in your respective homes. So to take it from there. Well, you know, uh, we were just so happy together. We knew that eventually we would get married, but we had to get divorced first. And he arranged all that. He he took care of all that. He and as he always so so he did take care of me so well. Uh, he just absolutely lavished me with furs and jewels and uh, and trips and and then. Um, when I found out, when we found out that we were going to have a baby, he said, well, why don't we have the baby in France? And they have the best equipment there, and they, uh, I, it would be wonderful for her to have also uh, be, um, also have a, a French passport and so forth. And he said, let's do that. And we did. We we just picked up and went. Harold found a villa, and I had a beautiful baby girl in Cannes at the Clinique Lutetia, and we couldn't be more happy. There, there's a photograph there of the two of us on the yacht, and we are really in love, in love. Yes, I mean, what a romantic idea! How many <laughs> to have a baby in the south of France? Exactly. Um, okay, and 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 you traveled the world. I mean, you traveled. Um, uh, you were going. You you were in in the south of France in the spring and summer, and um, and L.A. Well, New York, I uh-huh. guess at, at first um, in the fall and winter. I mean, that was a great life going back and forth. And tell us about some of the other things that were... I mean, you, well, you must we have met the thought most... that you died and, and fell into a fairy tale. Well, that's Cinderella fairy tale, obviously. Obviously, because with with all that he he did for me, I did feel like Cinderella. I did. Uh, from a working girl to this, and uh, I didn't know... How lucky I was, really. I was. And we I met the most wonderful people because of him. In the south of France, we met Adnan Khashoggi and his wife, Soraya. And they had a big yacht, too, but bigger than mine. And then I met uh, Fritz Lowe, Frederick Lowe, the composer of My Fair Lady and Camelot. And it was it was a fairy tale. You're right, Carol. And all kinds of actors and actresses, and, exactly. and even political figures, and 
Um, yes. And, um, and, and then what happened? <laughs> well, then what happened was, um, Harold had all these demands. He had to, he had to write a book a year so that he could afford uh, yeah. the new yacht and he could afford another villa and then uh, one in Acapulco. And then, uh, and so it, he would go away to write, and he would leave me for about two, three weeks and come back home for another two weeks. And that was the life we led until one day. Well, he... let's leave it. Let, wait, let me stop you because I just heard the music, and let's leave it on this cliffhanger right. until okay. one day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We need to take a break, uh, but right. of course you're going to be stay. You're going to stay tuned for this. Uh, my guest is Grace Robbins. Her book is Cinderella and the Carpetbagger. When we come back, you'll be hearing more of Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we all want to go back to this cliffhanger that my guest, Grace Robbins, uh, left us on. We're talking about her new memoir, Cinderella and the Carpetbagger. So there Harold was... Um, he after he started talking. He used to he used to write his books uh, right in the same house uh, or villa, <laughs> and uh, then he started saying that he needed to uh, have more peace and quiet or or have time to himself to do his research and take it from there. Yes, um, he uh, one day said, uh, "We need to talk. This is very important. I want." an open marriage, and I didn't even really quite know what that meant. I was I was afraid that he wanted a divorce. I didn't know what it was. And he said, no, no, he said, we're, we're, all, we're going to be the same as we always are. He said, but when I'm out writing a book and, I, and I'm away from you a long time, I would like to have the company of other women, and, and you can do the same. And I went, oh, no. Uh, I didn't say that, but uh, there it was, uh, an open marriage. And, and, you, and uh, you know, Carol, I think I've proven in my book that open marriages do not work. Yes. I agree it, with you. Yes. yes. And so and, how did it start? So then it started going downhill. And who was the first? What was the first relationship that you... At first, you didn't know about they, they were one night stands, and he told you about them. But then it got to be something more. He started having actual affairs. Yes, exactly. He had certain rules, and and I don't think that he, those rules applied to him. They applied to me, and that that was something that I didn't care about. I didn't I didn't want an open marriage, and I I I figured, well, look, he is really trying to keep his creativity, 
to nurture his creativity, and I want to be his muse. And if this is what it takes, I'll go with it. And then eventually I realized that it wasn't working. Uh, he, he was having affairs, and he, he, was, he was not in any way listening to any of his rules. And then by accident, I, uh, I, w- I went to a birthday party that was a surprise birthday party for Sammy Davis, Jr., and that started a relationship with Sammy for me, and I really was so uh, so puzzled at how something like this could happen, but I was so relieved and so thrilled because Sammy was an incredible, incredible person in many ways, and not just on the stage. He was really terrific. And well, well, by that point, it had been how long that he, that Harold was having one-night stands or affairs before you had your first? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I didn't do anything at all. Uh, it was a long time. He would come home. He said, the reason we're, we're not cheating on each other, he said, it's because we have an open marriage and we can tell each other everything. Um, and really, that doesn't work either. And so um, it's, it was a long time before I, I began uh, to try to also have an affair. As he, and it, it, it was wonderful at the time, but I don't recommend it at all. Because you really, all through this, you really only loved Harold, and you were kind of doing this, I guess... Almost because as a way to um, to save face or to to feel that you know you should have some fun too if he's going to be doing this. But in your this you... is what happens eventually. Uh, one someone in the in the open marriage says, "Well, look, uh, he's doing this and this and this, and he's telling me all about it. I'm not doing anything." And uh, well, look. Uh, I'm, I think I need to also, but I really didn't go looking for it. I, I didn't really want it. It was it happened by sheer accident, and I think the same thing happened when I was at uh, yes, when I was at a dinner party at Jaja Gabor's, and one of his, her guests was Sean Connery, and I. Uh, I was alone, and he was alone, which was another accident. And and so um, I had a, a stirred and shaken affair with <laughs> with Sean Connery. Uh huh. And now, um, now, but did you? Um, he found out about Sammy Davis Jr. Or did you tell I him? Told I can't him. remember. I told him. Oh. I told him. I told him. And, and he didn't have a very good reaction to it. No, he had a very good reaction to it. Well, really. well, I mean, well, I mean, he seemed to, but then, but then, didn't you write about how you think he uh, took up with someone else as a way of sort of getting back at you for that? You know, I don't know whether it was because he wanted to get back at me or not. It's just that that was his mode. That was his modus operandi. He had uh, an occasion to meet this beautiful French actress. Angelique was the the name of the film, and she played that character. And, uh, yes, he also broke the rules as um, he... We were not supposed to have any kind of uh, relationship or affair with any celebrity. And so... It, uh, I can tell you this, it got messed up. It really did. Yes, because it's a very slippery slope. You make rules, or he made rules in this yes. case, yes. and then and then when it's convenient or when you're attracted to somebody or when you're lonely or whatever, um, then all of a sudden you make excuses for why you can break those rules. Exactly, yeah, right. So it's a slippery so, slope, so go ahead. So when he would come home from having written the book and or uh, come home from a research 
journey. Uh, he he took a lot of time out for research, of course. He would come home, Carol, and he would be the most doting, the most loving, the most sexual, the most incredible husband that any woman would ever hope to have. And he treated me like a queen and like no one else existed. And that was fine with me. If this is the way he is, then this is the way it will be. Until? Until one day... He uh, had an, 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 another kind of accident. It was um, a cocaine seizure. He liked to write at night, and he needed something to keep him awake, not just coffee. And it turned out to be cocaine. And he said, well, you know, Conan Doyle did the same thing when he wrote Sherlock Holmes. And he said, it's something that I need to do for my writing at night. And... Unfortunately, uh, he did take more than he should have, I guess, and he had a cocaine seizure. He fell and broke his hips, and that was the end of our lifestyle. There was no no more. Uh, He was confined to a wheelchair. He couldn't travel, and so he stayed at home and, and wrote, and there was no more need for an open marriage but then there was no but then there was no marriage at all except that we were living together but we were not really living together. Yes, and before this, um you made reference to another accident. Before this, that's right. Uh, he had had a stroke. He had a stroke and it was the day of his first daughter's wedding at the house. And he he went through it the wedding and he walked her down the aisle and 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 then at the end of the wedding uh, I noticed that he he was looking at a portrait of mine and asking who that was and I knew that there was something wrong and that there was so you think that life is good and and you and you have a good a good husband and he provides for you and he and he is wonderful and attentive and caring and then then you don't have that anymore it's gone because you can't you don't know what's in store do you yes and and this was in such a contrast i mean your life um up to that point had just been it was one one adventure after another the the um the villa in the south of france uh right. new york los angeles then you got yeah. one a villa in mexico um right. and uh i mean it was just one jet setting party your new year's eve parties oh yeah uh, why don't you mention something about that well once a year starting in 1964 we had a New Year's Eve party, and everybody wanted to come to that. We had the creme de la creme. We had celebrities. We had people like, oh, well, yeah, let me tell you. We had Lana Turner. We had um, George Hamilton. We had the Newmans. We had everybody wanting to come to our parties after the the first time. It was my f- first time living in in uh, Beverly Hills, and so I didn't know too many people. And uh, Gene Schwamm, uh, Harold's publicist, had put a list together for people, and there was Bob Newhart and Marty Allen, and there was Don Rickles, and there was, uh, oh, there were so many wonderful people that I met. And then the second year... There were more people, and the third year, more people, until, 19, until 1976, when we greeted 1977. That was the end, because we, we couldn't think of anything else to do. Yes, and we these thought, parties became, yes. became more and more um, uh, over the top. Right. And uh, you talk about how there were some parties... Um, that were, you know, very public and the press came and I guess like the New Year's Eve parties. And then there were some parties that were more private um, right. where that were turned into orgies. Yes. 
that did happen. Harold was a ringmaster. He knew how to absolutely form any kind of a party, and he did he did originate the, these little orgies that he loved, and he said that we would never, ever change. We would never, ever want anyone else, but the orgies were a part of life then. That This was in the 60s, in the time of the sexual revolution, and Harold was a great part of that, of the of the sexual revolution. And I think he was just going along accordingly. I have a rather funny uh, orgy that I wrote for my first chapter. I think you know it. Well, yes, but ne- ne- let's let's leave that as the next cliffhanger since we have to take our break again. <laughs> and this is going All so right. fast because. <laughs> And, and Grace is just uh, giving you some of the highlights. This book is, is filled with uh, things that just kind of leave your mouth open. Um, again, my guest <laughs> is Grace Robbins. Her book is Cinderella and the Carpetbagger, My Life as the Wife of the World's Best-Selling Author, Harold Robbins. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and I know we left you with another cliffhanger about the orgy in the first chapter of Grace's book. But Grace and I decided over the break that maybe... um, that we should leave that as a cliffhanger, so you will be even more tempted if you aren't, if you haven't already ordered it, um, to go get the book. There's more than one orgy, I'll tell you that too. <laughs> and each one becomes more amazing than the next, and more over the top than the next. Um, and of course, Harold would say that that he researched all the sex scenes that he wrote about in his book. He researched in real life. Um, but I just want you to, to have uh, some time to um, talk a little bit about the last affair that he had. Well, uh, it was um, rather strange in a way because I had an assistant who helped me with a lot of my works. I did a, oh, I did so many charities, and even in France, I did a charity there too. Uh, for the orphanage in Cannes, and I was very pleased with this wonderful woman, I thought, and uh, when Harold had his accident and he was confined to a wheelchair, he needed a lot of care and he needed all kinds of assistance, and she asked if 
I, she could help me with Harold. And I said, well, of course, that would be wonderful. And um, I found that, uh, <laughs> well, she helped me with Harold, and then she helped herself to Harold. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, how this plain, you describe her as sort of a dowdy, plain woman who um, who didn't seem like any bit of a threat at all at the beginning and right. didn't have much of a life, and certainly the opposite of Harold, you know, not having anything glamorous in her life. And um, and then she started, she asked you for permission to get a boob job, and then she asked you for a, your leftover clothes that she could wear, and then she got her hair styled like you, and she was trying to become you. And that's when you started having your suspicions. Right. And they, were, they turned out to be well-founded. Right, it's true. Um, I didn't think it was at all possible because Harold loved very glamorous, very sexy-looking women. There was one time when I I got um, a nurse to help me. That was before Jan volunteered. And the nurse turned out to be something. She looked like Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> she she was busting out of her uniform, and she was blonde and gorgeous. And Harold said, "Now, Grace, that's casting. <laughs> that is great casting." And I I took one look, and I said, "I think there's been a mistake. I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> and that's when uh, Jan volunteered. Mm. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, from the frying pan into <laughs> the <fire>. into the fire. <laughs> well, I um. Well, we'll kind of leave the end then a little bit of a mystery, um, as to where things go from there. Um, but I, because I do want you to get have a chance to talk about um where you're going to be doing some book signings. I met Grace at her book signing in uh in Hollywood and right. or, or West Hollywood. Um, and it was a fabulous party. God, I wasn't expecting. It, it was kind of like <laughs> now that I read the book, and yes. uh, I, I, I read about all the parties you would host. Um, you know, no wonder there was everybody there, and it was uh, so fabulous. It um, was a wonderful party. Yes. yes, it was my book launch, actually. Yes, and it was yes. wall to wall to wall people. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um. And uh, so tell us where you're going to be having your book signings. Well, um, uh, May 4th, which is just around the corner, I'm having a book signing at a bookstore called Just Fabulous. I love the name of that bookstore, yes. and I can't wait to be there. So if you're in Palm Springs, uh, this is downtown. This is in the area that I like. And it's... Um, I think it's like from two to four, and come and join us and tell us that you were on Carol's. You heard from Carol. Yes. Oh, and I'm having one in New York in June, uh, actually, June 6th. It's going to be at Barnes & Noble at 7 p.m., and that's going to be very glamorous. Yes, yes. Um I'm sure you'll have standing room only there too, and you have to come and meet Grace because I mean that 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 is a great name for you because actually the things that you put up with out of love and yes we were talking during the break how um, Harold was definitely a bad boy um, I so I kind of have been thinking he fits into a number of the twelve categories that I write about in my bad boys book um, one is Mr Power Mad. The Mr. Power Mad type, and the other one is the wanton wolf or the compulsive flirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And um, Grace stood by him with so much grace, and um, because out of love. I mean, you know, and that's another thing that was so interesting because um, it wasn't so many women who he could have married who I'm sure were running after, well, they were. When, right. I mean, after you married him, you, you right. found out about all the women running after him. Um, but so many women could have exploited him, I mean, in you, who would have married him, um, could have just exploited him for his money, for his fame, for his, you know, getting something going for themselves by, by attaching themselves to him. You didn't do any of that. No, uh, he always... He always came back to me, and like he never left me. 
it was like nothing happened between us at all. And, and of course, now you have um, a lovely daughter from that union. You talk about it. I think you did it. You say in the book that she was the best gift that he gave you. Exactly not true. The, not the uh, high couture dresses or anything, or the furs or the diamonds, but this daughter who also has turned out to be an author, Adriana Robbins. Right. And I love the title of her book. Uh, she's had one book published, and she's writing her next book. And the book that she wrote was Never... Paris oh, no. Never Leaves You. Paris Never Leaves You. That's it. Yes. Actually, I was going to tell you, the book, Harold's first book was Never Love a Stranger. Mm. And that is an incredible <laughs> book. That was made into a movie. A lot of his books were made into movies. And it looks like I've got a lot of interest uh, in this book into a movie, which is a totally a perfect fit. This book writes itself as a movie. You know, it's kind of interesting, ironic, his first book being Never Love a Stranger, <laughs> when considering how his life turned out to be. Right. Um, now, uh, you can also find out more about this book by going to the website, CinderellaAndTheCarpetBagger.com, www.CinderellaAndTheCarpetBagger.com. Right. Well, Grace, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm sure you've titillated my listeners because we've only been able to, of course, <laughs> in an hour, touch some of the highlights. But it really, it's it's such a moving book um, because she really is totally honest about how all of these things, the highs and the lows, make her feel. So thank you, Grace, and thank um, you. You're, it was a great pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you. You're very welcome. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.